count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying try and told, try and told him I'm a beast, blood. What's up, gang? Welcome gang, to the Grindcast. Grind Simon Arias here. Get ready. It's a new day. All right, today we're going to have a special guest on the Grindcast. We got my man, Joe Bamboo Wisman. And uh, so Bamboo is uh, owner of Gracie Tampa West. Um, he is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, retired uh, professional MMA fighter, and one of the best human beings uh, I've ever met on this planet. And uh, so I'll just start off and, and tell you how I met uh, Bamboo years ago. Um, I was going to visit my mom in uh, Tampa, Florida. And this was right before I, was, uh, I would move to Florida. So I spent some time where I lived in Florida for six months of the year, and I would live up north for the other six months a year. And uh, right before that, I went to visit my mom. And uh, my uncle, who uh, back in the day was a, the, the state uh, kickboxing champion in Florida, recommended uh, Bamboo. So he said, here, I got a website for you. Check this guy out. I hear good things about him. And my uncle doesn't really give praise uh, a ton easily, uh, especially when it comes to martial arts. And um, so he recommended Bamboo, and, and uh, I went in to meet uh, Bamboo at his gym, and uh, it looked like a real uh, fighter's gym. There was no air condition. Uh, I remember seeing my man Cam in there all tatted up head to toe, and uh, in and, and, um I ended up meeting, you know, one of my best friends in the world at that point. I just didn't know it. And uh, what I was attracted to first was uh, the humility and the personality uh, of you, uh, Bam. So I would go on to start training a little bit that week. And um, I ended up liking him so much as a person. Uh, not only did he have the best no-gi jiu-jitsu that I had ever seen at that point and I've been doing this for nine years this was about six years ago so I was I was three years into jujitsu and I had never um, experienced somebody at that level uh, before and, and uh, no disrespect to the coach that I had that, that started me in jujitsu and uh, Rodrigo uh, who trained me all in the gi and, and he's a beast and taught me a, a lot of the fundamentals and the basics and and uh, uh, everything that that I knew to start off in the game, uh, but I had never I had never had the opportunity to roll with somebody at uh, Bamboo's level uh, without the gi on before in uh, in in my life, and uh, it was to the point where I was getting good enough to start giving people with experience problems, and um, when I started to train with him, it made me feel like I was in my first week again. And uh, but I, what I was most attracted to outside of the jujitsu game was was the humility and in, in the in the personality. And so what I would do is is um, I moved on the beach, which with traffic would be uh, an hour hour and a half drive sometimes. And uh, I would train for uh, three days a week when I was when I was down there, and I would make the drive to and from uh, just for the level of person that I became loyal to and uh, and, and committed to. That I was, you know, they say a church alive is worth the drive, and uh, so I believe that, you know, the the person that I'm training with was worth the drive uh, as well. And so from there, the relationship would uh, would would grow. And so I think what I wanted to do, first of all, welcome Bamboo to the uh, Grindcast. But I wanted to uh, start off with uh, your complete journey, which uh, I, I know a little bit uh, about it. 
Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about how you got introduced to uh, jiu-jitsu, martial arts in general, and a little bit about, you know, from where you started to where you're at right now? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Simon. I appreciate it, and thank you for all those kind words as well. Um, so, you know, my story, basically, I was uh, 20 years old, uh, working in a call center, doing sales, and uh, just a, a guy I hardly knew started talking about this new jiu-jitsu gym in the area, and I went to check it out. And I don't know why I had the impression that I was a beast at that time. I could just beat anybody up, but I was very mistaken. And most 22 year olds are that help. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. My perspective is quite different now, but yeah, I got completely mauled by somebody half my size and I was already pretty small. And I just, you know, I remember leaving that first session with just like kind of a befuddled uh, attitude, not really sure if I should bother going back because they just all kind of beat me up. And I kind of decided that I just wanted to be like that. I wanted to get better, and I uh, figured if, you know, I could do it if I just kept showing up. And it was a rough first six months. <laughs> I uh, did not win a single match, a single session, a single drill for six months against any. Every single time I went in there, four times a week for six months, and everything, I lost. And I lost again and again and again. And it was kind of hard to see if I was even learning anything because I felt like every time I got better, my training partners got better and I just could never catch them, you know? And then one day somebody new came in, big giant firefighter guy. And I was able to catch him with a triangle. It was the first tap I ever got. It took six months, which is a really long time <laughs> to never win. And, you know, uh, I, I remember that process for myself, you know, very similar oh. played play college football. And, uh, you know, I think I was 20, 25, uh, going on 26 years old. And, um, you know, I was always a decent athlete and, uh, you know, I had the same experience, you know, coming in there and, uh, you know, talking myself, in, I remember talking myself into going, it was hot out. Yep. I was in the gi and I knew I was going to get my ass beat, uh, and get smothered and <laughs> smashed for an hour. And, uh, I remember, yeah, you I remember know you're that not process. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I remember that process, yeah, it, man. It, it, it was interesting because after that first six months, um, I changed. I, I started actually winning sometimes and getting better and better. And I went to a competition. Um, I mean, I didn't win the competition my first time, but I had such a good time competing against people from another gym. You know, it really elevated me. And then, you know, fast forward to two years from then was about the time that Rob Kahn came down to Florida and opened up his school. And so it went from having one place to train and this whole side of Florida to two and just coincidentally at that time the place i was training at moved locations much further away from and you know at the time i didn't really want to leave where i was at because i liked all those guys and also they were the only people that i knew like that you know they were my family for two years and you know it just it didn't uh i didn't really want the idea of going somewhere else but you know, circumstances with my work, I had no choice. So I went in to check out the new gym and met Rob the first time. And at that time, it had been about two years of training. I was pretty much the best blue belt at my gym. I mean, I was just only losing to purple belts and, and, and the black belt. And there weren't any other, you know, there weren't any brown belts. There was only like three purple belts in Florida. 
jiu-jitsu was very new then. So like, I was doing good against everyone. And I remember going into Rob's and it was like my first day all over again. And I just, I just got murdered by everybody. This I was Rob Conn's gym? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I actually rolled Rob. I didn't even know who he was at the time because it was weird. Nobody was in a gi. Everyone was just wearing shorts and a shirt. And, you know, I couldn't tell what level anyone was. And I just, and I, I thought I should be doing better, but they just destroyed me. And I kind of made a decision right then. I'm like, well, not only is this way more feasible to train here now, but there's no question that even if it wasn't, this is where I want to be. Because these guys are a whole another level. You know, and, and his ability to teach was so much better than Eduardo, my first instructor. I mean, a lot of that is just the language barrier. Eduardo barely spoke English, you know, it was Portuguese. So, you know, those guys are not the best communicators. So what, what, you know, would you, was... what, what, uh, two things that stick out to me so far on, on, uh, on your journey is, uh, you know, I think the first part, the first process of, of showing up for six months, four days a week in, uh, knowing you're probably going to get smashed until you got your first sign of, of success. And uh, I think that mirrors life in, in business uh, as well, that, you know, there's times where you start off in, in, in life or in business or whatever, and you're looking at people that are good. And, uh, you know, I think it's cool for people that know you to hear your story because, you know, you've become so good at what you do for training, you know, for what have you been training now? 15 years. Yeah, just just about that. And people do talk to me a lot, and they act like I always was good. Exactly. People it's just easy to see where somebody's at and think they're just came out of the womb a superhero. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's it's cool yeah. to hear the the process. What what was it about yeah. about Rob that you think was uh, you you know you mentioned that it was you liked his teaching style. Anything you could remember well, that stuck out, other than the English? Oh, hundred percent. Short, well, English was big, but so everybody was so serious at Eduardo's. It was like a very traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. And, you know, it was, I assume the way it is in Brazil, you know, you don't talk when teacher talks, no one learns from anyone but the coach. You're not allowed to ask questions until the end. So it was very constructed in a particular way. And I went to Rob and he was just like a regular guy, just relaxed. He didn't, uh, he didn't have a problem with you asking him a question. He would tell a joke here and there. And he explained things in a way that made sense. Not just like grab here, move here, push this way. He would explain the why. You're doing this because of this reaction is what you're looking for. And he, he just made so much more sense. It was very innovative. And he allowed me to really take off. I started coming in every single day, not just four days. Any class I could possibly make it to. I went in there and I was getting wrecked. I was getting wrecked again for the next couple of years. You know, it was about four years into my training, so two years there. And so again, what, I had what to is come... it that what what is it that you think? You know, so you're talking about I'm four years in, I'm still getting wrecked. You know, I, I made progress, started <laughs> over, start getting wrecked again. What what yeah. is it that you that that you saw or were thinking that made you to continue going versus you know the amount of dead bodies, you know, that I'm sure that you've seen that have signed up for jujitsu and never come back. You know what I mean? What, what is it well, during it, that it process? It helps to keep in perspective. For me, it was thinking about myself. Like I knew at any point that if I were to meet myself from six months ago, that I would win without a doubt. 
So your I, personal I progress versus anything else. Yeah. 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 I mean, other people see it's funny because the more consistent you are, the more you can see other people are not consistent. When you're there every day, sometimes twice, you can tell who's there two times a week and who's there four times a week and who skips a week. You know, when you're not there that often, you don't really see or know how much everyone else is putting in. But when you're there all the time, you see it and it's easy to know. And I started to just get greedy and really just want an extra session, an extra hour, a couple more questions with Rob, one more role. And first one on the mat, last one off the mat every day made a huge difference. You know, over the course of a couple of years, I passed everyone. It was a purple belt beating black belts. I was literally beating everyone except for Rob Khan, Matt Arroyo, and this guy Travis. And how far, how, how long were belt. you in at that point? I want to say five or six know, years. Probably about five years. Okay. Five years, I think. Yep. You know, I, I was pretty much. I remember it's, it's cool how that example works in everything. You know, first in, last yeah. out. Uh, squeeze it out yeah. more information. Going twice as much as everybody else usually ends ends up with twice the results. Yeah, ask the questions. It was amazing to me how many times the would go. We're going to do Q and A today. He has a question. Dead silent. Nobody had a single thing to ask. I would always have something to ask. I'm like you guys are kidding me, right? You have this wealth of knowledge sitting in front of you. Like, you know, he can handle anyone here easily. You have nothing to ask him. It doesn't make any sense to me. And this was before YouTube. There weren't instructionals. The internet didn't really have much information on jujitsu back then. Right. So literally the only source you could get it from was your coach. I mean, that's a little bit different now, which is even, even more of a reason why you should be able to excel if you want to put in the work, as you could do your own research and get all these great instructionals that people are putting out. When did, when, so did much you, information. when did you transfer over into uh, MMA? Were you already oh, – I think you was, were a purple belt, right? I was a purple belt, and uh, that was another one. It was another time where the same thing happened. Rob said one day, uh, I think you should do an MMA fight. And I thought about it. I said, okay, find me somebody, and I'll try it. So he found me this guy, this Marine, and I put the guy's picture out. And I had never even been in like a – not much of a fight since I started training anyway. Like anything before that didn't even really count. So I was really nervous about it, and we started doing some stand-up in the gym. Rob had a little bit of a boxing background, kind of built like a like a real muscular hobbit. <laughs> yeah, a little <laughs> white, little white old. Mike Tyson built. Yeah, Rob. yeah, big back. Yeah. And uh, man, do you get like a truck? And I remember like I went into three times a week for this MMA session to do some sparring and get ready. And my goodness, I just got wrecked every single session again. Like I couldn't do jujitsu while getting punched in the face. And I couldn't stop them from punching me in the face. They were just so much better at that. Like I hadn't spent any time on it. You know, so I kept telling myself, you know, when I get in this fight with this guy, I'm just going to get him on the ground. And to me, just saying that, like, get him on the ground was just my plan. I didn't actually know any wrestling. I didn't really even know how to do that necessarily. And I had figured out from practice that I was terrible at it. <laughs> so I didn't feel very ready for this fight at all. And going up until the time I was fighting, I literally never, never won a single sparring session with any of my partners. Not one. So you know, it was kind of hard to be confident that I was going to beat this guy. But the way I kept looking at it was this guy isn't my training partners. My guys are way better than this guy. 
and they're telling me I'm ready, so I'm just going to trust the process and give it everything I have. And then, you know, first fight happened, and I got super lucky. The guy, uh, the guy wanted to grapple with me more than strike with me, and he tried to get a hold of me right away. As a result, he got triangled right away and uh, got the first win in the books without ever having really to throw a punch. And, man, that was a weight off my shoulders. And <laughs> I, I spent quite a bit more time after that in the punching bag until I learned basically a whole nother skill set. So, so and you go, you go from, that, you go from this journey of, all right, uh, I'm getting my ass beat for six months to, in the beginning to, all right, now I'm one of the better ones to starting over. I'm getting my ass beat again for a couple of years. And now I'm one of the better <laughs> ones to now I'm starting to get my ass beat again. Now sparring all over again. And, and so that process continues. And, you know, I like pointing out things that mirror, you know, this yeah. is one of the things that I loved about, you know, the journey you know, for me that continues in jujitsu and outside of that is, is just the, 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 how much it parallels life. You know, you just start out getting your ass beat, you get better in a minute. You think you're getting better. Here comes something else. There's always something more to learn. There's always somebody Uh a little, a little bit better, but you realize if you just keep showing up that no person, you know, these people are just human beings that kept showing up, kept putting in the work, kept putting in the hours. And if you keep showing up, keep putting in the work, keep putting in the hours, you're going to get beat. But every time you transition to the next level, there's going to be some form of ass whooping, you know, involved. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, I've been telling people that I'm, you got to get beat into this gang. When they start asking me about business success, I'm like, you, you got to get beat into this gang that when you, when I know that you've made it to a certain level, you just took a bunch of ass whoopings. There's no way out of it. You have to be able to survive some beatdowns in business and in life in order to, take it to the next level. So, you know, it's already sticking out to me that that transformation that we're, we're in the midst of talking about is that at every transition, you start out getting your ass beat, you survive and then level up and, 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 and go to the next level. And then you're, you continue to force yourself into not being comfortable. You know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I'm nervous, but I'm going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For me, you know, as I started getting better at striking and, and practicing more for MMA, uh, I also was taking every jiu-jitsu class, and I was also starting to teach a little bit um, at Rob's request. So I was basically – I had my own little spot. I taught a few times a week. I still went and trained with him as much as I could. And I had all this new pressure on me, you know, to – I didn't want anyone to come in and roll with me and, like, not be impressed, you know, or beat me in my own spot. So I put in as much effort as I possibly could, and I made sure that, you know, I studied while they just showed up and talked all class. A lot of people waste a lot of time. They'll show up to the gym and not do anything for an hour. Basically, they spent five minutes doing anything productive. You know, I never wanted that to be how I spent my time. You know, and now, for a long time now, I've been teaching and I've been really focusing on developing other people. Um, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of helping other people become good, you know, and, and kind of grow. And I know you do as well, actually. One of the things I uh, was attracted to about you a lot was just the way you lift everybody around you up all the time without even making an effort to do so. You just you just can't help yourself. It's just like a just walking positivity. And uh, it's awesome to be around more people like that. So I try to be like that for my community and all the people that I meet. So so tell me about t- tell me about this. So you 
you know, you transition into that, you start doing MMA, you're successful at that. You know, you had a bunch of wins there. I know you've won a bunch of tournaments. Uh, You start training other fighters that had success. You know, I remember, you know, when I was down there going to the fights, it seemed like, you know, you guys were 80, 80, 90% of the time uh, winning everything, Uh no matter where you, no no matter where you were at. Um, But we had a huge piece. In in your in your journey of of transitioning into coaching and, and leading and mentoring others, is there some things that you could say stick out to you about people that that you see that progress quickly or better uh, on the journey versus you know what things stick out about them and what things stick out about other people that don't? Well, I would say that uh, it, it was interesting because a whole mix of different people. There were a lot of people that had a bunch of talent, and they started out so much further along than I started out. They would just be able to instantly learn stuff. Now, as soon as I showed them something, they could do it well. And that was not the case for me, or most people. You know, But those people would rely so much on that that they wouldn't be in shape. They just wouldn't want to do the extra work to be, you know, have better cardio when it mattered or when they got pushed. So there were people that just that they were super strong and athletic and they were so good in the beginning and they never got past the plateau. And then there were other people that, you know, I, I would have thought were never going to be able to have an actual exercise so bad at learning, but they kept showing up. And a lot of those guys ended up having, you know, five or six MMA fights doing really well. And it, it just, it, even though the same thing keeps repeating, it never stops surprising me. You know, how much anyone can do anything if they actually try and devote their time and effort to it. You know, they have to be coachable. They have to listen to me. It, it is amazing. There are so many people that will come in and just do nothing that I said. I'd be yelling at them what to do when they're sparring or fighting, and they would not listen to me at all. And Isn't that I crazy? That, always, that, that racks yeah. my brain. They're like, why are you here? Why are you, why yeah. are you coming here asking to be coached if you don't want to listen to anything that we're telling you to do? It makes no sense. They're paying me money showing up to learn from me, and they're refusing to do what I'm telling them. And as a result, they're losing. You know, so and, you're and such it was a freaking Neanderthal. Neanderthal. Uh, my dude throws his wife in the cage. You know what I mean? My dude throws <laughs> throws Robin out there, and uh, yeah, Robin well, went on it, a three it, and three and one streak. <laughs> my dude throws his wife out there. He don't care. Oh man, I didn't want nothing to do with that. But you know what happened when my wife. Uh, my mother didn't even train at all. And, you know, like everyone else, she's tried to do too and started doing kickboxing and enjoyed it for the workout and met a lot of good people. And it came a point where I'm like, you know, you should compete. You're really good. And you need to believe that and roll with some people that you don't know. And she went to a jiu-jitsu tournament and, you know, smashed and did really well, of course, and got some confidence. And, you know, she, she had never got to see me fight. You know, yeah, I was kind of done fighting when I met her. And she kept saying she wanted me to do another MMA fight. So I decided I was going to do one more just so that she could be there, essentially. So I trained for two months and got put on the main event at this card. Is that the one where you were hurt? Is that the one where you your hip yeah, was messed up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like, uh, dislocated my hip five days before my fight. I couldn't even lift my leg. But I refused to... Uh, not do it anyway, which was really stupid. And I would never recommend anyone else do that, but I just felt like the guy was so bad. I was sure I could beat him even in my weakened state. If I could just get past the doctors and the medical stuff of them clearing me to fight. 
So, um, you know, I went out there and I had a really hard fight with the guy, mostly because I was not 100%. But I did get the win in the third round, choked him out. And, uh, you know, after that, Robin wanted to fight, you know. And thankfully, I had a lot of other fighters around the gym that liked working with her and were going to kind of help with that because I certainly didn't want to have to be the one trying to get her ready and yell at her and go home and be nice to her, you know, so... I yeah, I gotta be, you know, I tried that out before. I tried to be Nat, Natalie, you know, my wife, Nat. I tried to be her personal yeah. trainer uh, in the gym. And, uh, you know, I can't yeah, even imagine training her for a fight. We were fighting. We'd have been fighting before the fight. We were fighting in yeah, the gym. Yeah, so. She'd listen to anybody but me. It, it's, it's exactly what happened. She'd listen like, to Perm knows. work her out before she listened to me work her out. <laughs> I know. Robin's the same way. She's still that way. She's still just somehow she just doesn't want to listen to me so thankfully other people took her under her wing and i just played the role of her cheerleader and you know tried to make her do what she wanted and she said it four times thankfully she doesn't want to do it anymore she trained herself but that was a lot of stress for me that i just don't need in my life i'm perfectly happy to not have my wife ever be in another fight right so. i don't want to bring up bad uh you know bad memories man if if, if you don't feel nah. like talking about what I'm going to bring up next just, just, uh, will pass, but I think you can help people with this, man. Uh, you know, we've had conversations in the past about, you know, your mom passing away and, uh, you know, I, I see the pictures of, of, of you guys and I, that's one of the biggest fears of my life. And I, I can't even imagine what that moment was like for you. Um, well, can, can you tell me I a little bit about what, yeah, how old were you? Yeah. What happened? I know it came yeah, so, on quickly, but how did you deal with that? Because I know, you know, people, you could help a lot of people out there because I've watched you. I'm sure you never really move on. You just kind of find a way to move forward. Uh, but but well, I've watched what, you, for, you find a way. So for me, you know, prior to my mom passing, I hadn't really dealt with anything that I thought I could handle. Like, you know, because of jujitsu and how brutal it was to learn for me. You know, I pretty much had overcome so much consistently for so long, I was just used to that. And I was just already on my grind with, you know, teaching and competing and training fighters, and I was doing my thing. And I was flying out and visiting my mom about five or six times a year in Tennessee. And we would go out there and go to MMA fights together. I had a connection up there at a gym. And, you know, she was really big in my life. And I went up there, you know, one time and she had a little bit of a cough and she said she'd go to the doctor, you know, when our trip was up. So I went back home. She went to the doctor. They said she had lung cancer all through her chest, like super bad. And she had like a month to live. And that was brutal for me to hear uh, because I didn't understand how she could be essentially what I thought was fine. And then you have a month to live and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, she wasn't that old. She was walking every day. She seemed healthy. I mean, she used to smoke back in the day, but she hadn't smoked in years. And, you know, that was kind of tough. And so we ended up moving her down here with my aunt for that final month. And she deteriorated super quickly. It was super bad, super hard to watch. And uh, I remember I was actually at the gym teaching a final lesson when I got the, uh, the phone call, you know, that she had passed. And... You know, there's just nothing you can do. There's nothing that's going to make that better. You know, so I tried to just, you know, make sure that I continued to put my focus on the person in front of me at that moment, 
who I was working with, and then just one thing at a time. The next class, you know, I thought about her when I was by myself. But when I was doing something else, I wasn't trying to let outside things kind of affect. You know, I didn't want to be a big depressed boozle for everyone else that deal with. You know, I, I felt like it's a natural part of life. I knew she was going to die. Obviously, you hope it's not at any point that you, you know, you're never ready. But, you know, what, what could I do? I couldn't do anything about it. So I did the best I could. You know, my other family was very supportive and they were, you know, super sad as well. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't let it, it didn't phase me as much as I would have expected it to. I mean, it, it, it hurts when I think about it, but for the most part, you, you should be looking forward, not backwards, no matter what is behind you. You know, something as brutal as your mom passing, that's bad. But, you know, no matter what it is, it's behind you. You know, what are you doing tomorrow? You know, you got to try and make the best of your life and impact the most people you can. And For me, that's what helped. It was focusing on other people that needed And, you know, when people are grateful around you for your help, it makes you want to keep giving it. And that, that to me, was where my focus went. And I just, I poured almost more into all my guys when that happened. If that makes any sense. Yep. Yep. So you focus that energy on, you know, what you could control versus what you could not control. Focused it on positivity and, and uh, keeping yourself busy, it sounds like. And uh, yeah. we're, we're encouraged by pouring into other people and, and putting your focus on uh, on other people and on things that you could control and not wanting to bring those <laughs> people down and, and uh, you know, excited about pouring into other people and just found a way to keep moving forward. Yeah, I just had to. You know, I, I was always telling myself that, you know, for years before that, when people would have their problems that came up, usually it would be something like an injury, can't train for six months. You know, what am I supposed to do? You can't, you can't do anything about that. You know, you can't. Whatever has already happened has happened. All you can do is, you know, you should be planning for the future. You should be moving each day, you know, and, and looking forward. And, you know, as bad as things are, things are going to happen. Everyone's going to go through that. Hopefully everybody has their parents die at some point because the alternative is your son died or your daughter died. And that's much worse. Right. You so know, I, so I, it, I, it's uh, part of the game. We, we got about another 10 minutes left. I think the, the last two things I would say is, is uh, one, uh, speaking of death, maybe you could tell the story in uh, five minutes or less of uh, we could tell it together on when you tried to kill me. Uh, when <laughs> remember when you tried to kill me, and uh, I don't know how oh, yeah. I trusted in you and, and uh, let you set me up like that, and um, but and then I think yeah, maybe uh, we could end off on some tips for uh, for people that are starting their journey in uh, in in martial arts or in jujitsu, and maybe a couple things that stand out on on how they could progress quicker. Um, Absolutely, and, and stuff like Absolutely. that. So, why don't you go ahead and tell them how you tried to kill me, Bam? Yeah, yeah. Let me take it away with that awesome experience I forced you to have against your will. Yeah. So, uh, I've been a big fan of snowboarding for the last few years, and I was trying to get my dog Simon, you know, to come with me. And it's not his really his cup of tea. He didn't really want to be on a giant mountain in the snow on a board, but he did it for me, and we went out there and. uh yeah, so just a little bit of me trying to haze him and a little bit of him making a wrong turn, but he ended up on a double black diamond on his very first step on the yeah, mountain. So for ever. the people that, that don't know, like I didn't know, you know, the colors, I was passing colors. I remember green and blue and, 
And, I, you know, I figure <laughs> when I got to black, you know, black usually symbolizes like either really good or really bad. And uh, that when I saw double black things and how high we were and I realized, you know, we were we were riding up on this incline thing and there was no way lift. like back to lift. Once I was off. Yeah. I was like there was <laughs> there was only one way down for me. And yeah. uh, at that point, I realized that, you know, I had got bamboozled. And um, yeah, you ever see somebody trying to, you know, talk somebody out of not jumping, you know, like, don't jump, don't. He was trying to talk me into killing myself. I feel like, <laughs> come on, Simon, you're going to be fine. And I'm just falling down this mountain like five yeah. feet at a you time. You not moving. Yeah, just yeah, like stuck on the side of the move. cliff. And uh, Yeah, and those of you that, you know, I know you, you can't picture it if you weren't there, but to set the scene for you, he really was on like the steepest, most brutal run that they had at Park City right up to a cliff where if you don't turn right, you're going off the cliff. He really made a rough turn at the top and just got stuck in the worst possible spot, and it was rough going down for him. But he didn't make it, as you may have noticed. He's alive and well. Why would you do something like, like that to me? You know what I mean? What, what, what? I'll get you back, too. I can't wait. I'm saving up for the right time and the, and the right thing. But basically, I fell three hours down this mountain. He would continue to lap me. And come by and check and make sure I was alive, you know, every yeah, half hour. Me and the other kids. And uh, and so the next <laughs> the next day, we just decided it was best for me to take a class. Uh, so I took a class, and uh, the good news is by the end of the class, I was able to function and uh, actually yeah. ride down the the hill and have a good time and not really fall that much. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I way overestimated my ability to teach someone how to snowboard <laughs> at that time. <laughs> the class was a great idea. We probably should have done that first. And, and, and so I'm in the class and the, the good news is I learned the bad news was it was very humbling because there was all these little kids and not that I'm uh, a tall man by any means, but I mean, all these kids that are, that are s way smaller than me, and I'm falling, and they're asking me, you know, I remember being down. Are you okay, up, sir? And there's an eight-year-old, like, are you okay, sir? I mean, that was like the epitome of the, that was the tip of the iceberg for me for humility, where I'm sitting there thinking, like, why did I do this to myself? What was I thinking? How did I let this man talk me into this? Uh, but we ended up having a good time. I remember stretching, you know, for an hour like I got ran over. Uh, the next morning, mm -hmm. I popped a couple of leaves and stretched out. And, you were killing uh, it, though. After had you learned, we did great together. We killed it. Yeah. We killed it the last day. <laughs> Unbelievable. So thank you yeah. for that. We're still here. I owe you one. Stay tuned. I'll, I'll, I'll think of something creative. Uh, <laughs> I have no doubt, for why, sure. Why don't you drop uh, drop uh, maybe three, three, three to five tips for somebody out there that I think all of this will mirror life but you know maybe sure. somebody on their journey in uh jiu-jitsu or martial arts how they could expedite it and uh be you know basically reach their best so what i there's a few things i'll go over for that but probably the most important is for each for you to think about what you're looking to get out of your training sessions okay a lot of times people get focused on the short term so they'll be rolling on a tuesday and their only concern on Tuesday is how many taps they got on Tuesday. 
or how many times they get caught by the higher belts. So, 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 so for somebody that doesn't really, you know, maybe they're just listening. They don't really know it. So rolling means grappling, Grappling, doing jujitsu on the ground. Yeah. Doing jujitsu. Yeah. Wrestling, trying to get a submission, you know, it, it, people get focused on the short term and not the long term. The way to get better is to make sure you're training in a way that allows you to be much better, you know, in six months not the same person in six months that's no better you know so for me it's more about being being okay with losing right now as long as you're getting the practice and the reps and you're getting a little bit better each time so that down the road you're going to be a beast love it because so focusing no on the on the technique and in just the process right now uh which will make you better thinking about how can this make me better six months from today versus just winning mm-hmm in the moment. I know that was something hard for me. It still is hard for me, you know, for me to just, you know, focus on, you know, not using all my energy and strength in, in relaxing and maybe by being more relaxed and I'll grow more and be in some positions I I ultimately wouldn't be in or allow myself in. uh, Mm -hmm. If I was using all my energy and and all my strength, therefore forcing yourself to grow. So you, you, you would say just the the first one was just thinking long-term, and doing the things don't. in the moment that'll make yeah. you better six months from today. Yeah, don't worry about the short-term growth. Worry about the long-term success. I would Love say it. would be the first thing. Love it. Second thing has got to be relax. You know, you you have to be able to think through what's happening in the moment. You can't do that holding your breath, being super tense. So you need to make sure you have your head about you. It's easy to get tunnel visioned or super focused on something and miss everything around you. It's also way more likely you'll get injured if you're super tense. So relaxing and remembering that your mind is your best weapon when you're training or doing anything is probably my next thing. And you're going to need to be told that a bunch of times. I mean, I used to make all my passwords the word relax in some form or another for years because people were always telling me to relax. And I wanted it to be beat into my head. So I made sure I had to type it on a daily basis. I might need to change my passwords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, that was what I had to do because I, I just could not help. I could feel I was tense. People were telling me to relax. I'm like, I hear you, but I just forget one second later. But it did it's eventually It's not easy click. to do and when somebody else is trying to kill you. You know what I mean? No, but, it's not. But I've gotten it. Remember, remember, remember I was telling you at the at – the, you know, I, you saw it the last time I was here when I ripped my bicep off. You were you were here. Just not only did he try to kill yeah. me on the thing, but you were yeah. here when I blew my bicep out uh, five weeks ago. Uh-huh. But, but uh, you know, I, I'm sure you could tell the difference then versus you know a year ago when I was just kind of getting started with the, you know, or a couple years ago with the boxing a little bit and and how tense and tired oh, I would different. get to being more more relaxed. Uh, yeah, people, I think, in anything tend to be more tense and nervous in the beginning when it's new. But once you're able to relax, there's always a better flow. Everything goes better for you, you know. And for me, like now, I'm very relaxed when I do anything. And, and it's hard for a lot of people to to think that I ever wasn't that way. But I assure you, I was exact opposite of how I am now back then. It's learned behavior and it's just changed from practice. And what was the third thing? So third thing, I would say for jiu-jitsu especially, you need to have a good training partner. Jiu-jitsu is one of the rare things that you can't really practice by yourself. 
So, and, and you know, kickboxing, all, any combat sports kind of that way, you need a good partner. You know, you need to make sure that your, your partner selection in class is, is helpful to, to both of you. You know, you can't get better when you got always a brand new partner or always someone twice your size or half your size. So for me, I was kind of like the middle size of everybody in class all the time. So I had usually a pretty good selection of partners, but I can tell you it would have been a lot harder for me to get better at anything if every time I rolled, I picked Marcus Jones as my partner, who was this gigantic football player that was training with us. Like when you, know, you got you me rolling have... with Torrance's big ass over there. Yeah. I tell my man yeah. T, I said That's what's clearly... up. <laughs> yeah, I will for sure. Yeah, I mean, you got to have the right partners, so. For me and, and for everyone, I really think that it's important for you not just to focus on, you know, who you're training with, but, you know, or how you're training, but who you're training with, you know, and as far as in life and in business, that can kind of equate to making sure you have good people around you, not bad people around you, because if you've got the wrong people around you, you're not going to be able to do well. You know, you got to have the same like-minded squad around you all the time. Truth, man. Truth. Well, I just want to thank you for uh, for for being a guest on the Grindcast, and uh, thank you for not only what you do for me, but for so many other people, man. I, I've uh, been a witness to how selfless that you are to people in uh, giving of your time. Uh, you know, being in positions where you give so much of yourself that at, at points uh, you're taken advantage of, or you know, people will kind of not always give back the amount of loyalty that you've given out, but it doesn't change you. Uh, your heart stays the same. Uh, you don't walk like you're as good. I, you know, I, I know people in uh, in the in the world in the martial arts world that walk like they're a whole lot better than they are. You know, when I train with them, I'm like, damn, bro, I thought you were gonna be a killer uh, by the, by the way you carry yourself. And then uh, you know, and, and and you exemplify the the word humility, man. You're uh, you're such a beast, and you never walk like you are. You don't act like you are. Nobody would ever know. And uh, I love that about you, man, the way that you treat random people uh, just like your friend. You know, what's the what's the lady I just met when I was out there? The the one that moved from Seattle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jen. <laughs> Jen. Yeah. She, who was yeah, super Jen, cool. She's I mean, doing good. He just, you know, just meets her and, and uh, you know, friends with him and his wife and just, you know, helps her out and takes her in and they become good friends. I mean, it's just the way you treat people. Uh, all over the place it, at every walk of life, no matter where they're at in their life, uh, is is uh, something that I admire about you, man, and and, uh, and your loyalty and uh, commitment to the people around you, brother. So keep being I you, man. keep being you, yes, no sir. matter what, man. And uh, and and I see you soon. All right, homie. Thanks, Thanks for man. having me. All right, see brother. Peace. Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying, told, trying, told him I'm a beast, blood. Uh,